0: and welcome back to Spirit School. What I wanted to share today as part of the podcast episode is I often feel like, though I love the podcast and I do offer as much as I humanly can through this podcast as far as knowledge goes and experiences that I've had in hopes that you will feel normal on your spiritual
1: development journey and your mediumship development journey, but I often feel that my best
0: work, is in my programs in my one-on-one mentorship calls there's just something about being the energy with other people and teaching people live that just brings out
1: like the most wisdom the most confidence the most inspiration through me it's edited because i want to be sure to honor everybody's privacy but i hope you enjoy this conversation today mm-hmm. guys probably know, especially those who are on my newsletter or follow me for any kind of like length of time. Like I love entrepreneurship. There is nothing more creative I have ever done in my life than being an entrepreneur. Like I absolutely love it. It is something that completely drives my passion. Like I could have been a reader that would just do readings and, you know, have a very long wait list. I could totally get by financially and live a really good life just doing readings. But there's something about the creativity behind pursuing an idea and and formulating an inspiration into something that, you know, is of service, but also helps other people that just like feeds my soul. I just love the creativity. I just get so excited when I hear a story about a woman getting an idea and doing the thing. And I know that my first almost 30 years of life, I had all these ideas that I never pursued. I was just so scared. Many different things, like everything that could have gone wrong, not even considering what could have gone right. And so I'm just obsessed with listening to stories about women who overcome those fears, overcome those doubts, and just like pursue the thing that they're inspired to do. There's so many limiting beliefs that women carry more so than men because of society standards and all this kind of stuff. And so whatever I can do to help other women kind of step into their dreams, like I'm all over that. Who doesn't love a good story about somebody chasing their dream and actualizing it, right? I meet with a lot of women who really don't even know how to dream yet. What are you passionate about? I don't know. You know how many women say that? And it doesn't mean that they can't find their passions. They do and they can, but there's so many women who just, we're so busy. We have so many pressures on us as women that we sometimes don't even have the space to dream, let alone actualize an inspiration that comes through. So I just feel like the future of my work is going to be so much around just helping women just pursue their dreams. The other thing that I see happen a lot with, I'm just going to say women because I mostly work with women. I'm sure that this would translate over to men or women who are more in their masculine, but it's like, How do you lead yourself through that? Because I see often like people hire me because they want me to lead them through it. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to fix you. Like, I'm not going to fix these limiting beliefs for you. I'll call you out on them and I'll tell you how Spirit's inspiring me, how you can walk through them. But really, you have to take the initiative to lead yourself. So I'm obsessed with it. I'm excited for it. What do you want? It could be career. It could be a house. It could be a feeling. It could be something, but like, what are you guys dreaming about? If you don't know, spend some time with yourself and get an idea, right? Like I actually get a ton of my inspirations in the bath. Now really kind of like pay attention to, is there an aspect of yourself that doesn't think that you could do it? I know for me, stepping into this work full time was really scary because even like late last year, I was like, how could I be sustained doing this? Like, At a minimum, I need nine clients a week. What if I get sick? What if I get eight? Like, does that mean I can't pay my mortgage? These are the thoughts. These are the things that were coming up in my mind that made me feel that it might not be possible. It might not be possible. And I made five figures my first month. It was insane. It was way more than I thought could have happened. But you do have to work through what your limiting beliefs are what is holding you back from thinking that this could potentially be possible. And then know that you might not have a solution before your spirit encourages you to make the leap. So then you kind of have to live in the realm of uncertainty. Can I live with uncertainty? Can I live with the unknown? Now, the truth of the matter is in my spiritual practice, I had it on the side for many years before I went full time. So I'd built up a clientele. And I had a lot of evidence in my life that showed that there was a a desire to work with me. So, what you want to do now for the people who want to do this work kind of full time is work on building trust with your community. There are a certain amount of people who are attracted to you, and you also have to start speaking about what you're most interested in talking about. A lot of spiritual entrepreneurs get really stuck like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what people expect of me. I don't know what people expect to hear from me. Get rid of all of that. You literally show up with what you're most passionate about talking about because that's going to be what expands your energy and what other people are attracted to. And you'll actually find what people want to hear most about from you through just starting to talk. So you want to start building trust. You want to start building relationships with people. And people will look at you from afar for a long time. I've actually had people who have followed me and messaged me for two years before they bought a reading with me. And that's fine. So you just keep showing up as yourself. And you keep showing up talking about things that you're so passionate about. Building trust, building your reputation. And then people will start being attracted to want to work with you because you're at this vibration, they're like, oh, I want want to sit in that vibration. It's all energy. It's all energy. It's all energy. So just start there to start building trust, to start exercising your voice and talking about things you're really passionate about and building the energy behind your practice and start niching down on your messaging. And then it just kind of takes off from there. Once you start stepping more fully into your path, more fully into your dharma, more will come to you right? A lot of people are waiting for the more to come before they put themselves out there. But spirit will always ask you to leap first, always. So just do the things, guys, right? I was telling myself stories that were so contrary to the evidence of my life. It was shocking. And so I actually had to lean on the evidence of my life. The evidence is, Danielle, you've always booked out your readings, right? Like the evidence is, Danielle, you've always booked out your classes. What on earth makes you think that you couldn't do this and that people all of a sudden wouldn't want to work with you if you went full-time, right? So I had to actually lead myself through inner dialogue that was kind to get to a place that I was courageous enough to make the lead, right? So look at the evidence of your life. Even create an evidence list. What is the evidence? People enjoy sessions with me. I'm not saying that for me, but I'm saying you guys saying like, what is the evidence? People like sitting with you, right? Why would that be any different if you put yourself out there a little bit more? follow every cookie cum spirit gives you until it doesn't feel good anymore. I follow every inspiration. I follow it through because I don't know where it's going to lead me. And some of them I end up letting go. I'm like, okay, well, this was fine while it was here. But then I'm I'm changing. My business is changing every year. If you look at the history of Squamish Medium over the past seven years, every single year, my practice has looked slightly different. People like wait to launch a website. I'm like, just launch because your offerings are going to probably change every couple months every couple of months. So just be okay changing as you go, right? And not being so pinned down to like, this is it. This is it. Fear is awesome. I literally run towards fear now. I'm like, I'm scared of this. I am running towards that because I have seen what lays on the other side of that fear, which so many people don't get to experience. And it's magic. It's complete magic. And so anything that scares me, I literally run towards it now. I understand the fear, but The more you walk through it, more magic you're going to have in your life, I promise you. When I received my first grant for $20,000, I was actually crying in my shower. Yeah, it was like last year. I actually cried in my shower and I was saying to myself and I was saying to spirit, I was like, why do people see something in me that I clearly don't see? Like these people believe in me so much that they gave me $20,000 for my dream of launching a podcast and a website and going full time in my business they believed in me. So why am I not believing in myself to this level? And it was some inner child healing work that had to get done. I believe in you guys. I believe in each and every single one of you. And I know if you have a dream, there's nothing that can stop you from pursuing it, except for yourself. Last year, Fulman and Leo, a year ago, I had to kind of like do something really scary and stand up and share my mediumship gifts in front of the live audience. What scares you that you really want to do in your life? I still have some things that scare me that I want to do. Like I want to do an online group demonstration and I get asked all the time to do them. So why does that scare me more than doing it in person? I don't know. It's just like one of those things that I really want to go through. And I do them like in Mavis's class. I'm in her advanced mediumship mentorship and essentially I do one every couple of weeks for other mediums. So it's like, I'm still working through a lot of my fears in my practice, and I'll never lie to you guys and pretend that I have it all together, and I don't. So I'm still having to walk through certain things that scare me all the time. So I want to know what's kind of scaring you guys. Being a leader that scares you, start by leading yourself, right? Leading yourself is so important. It's one of the big things that they should teach us at school, but they don't know how to teach us. Being powerful for women is kind of hard, and I've seen how that played out for me in the corporate world because I found that the more powerful I was, the worse people felt around me. The last thing I want to do is make other people feel shitty. So what I used to do, which is not a good habit, was make myself appear to be less powerful, or less happy, or less smart. I would like dim my light, right? Dim my light. Try to make other people feel comfortable by making myself appear to be less powerful. But what I learned, when I finally just kind of showed up as the powerful person I feel like, like I literally feel like in my life, it actually inspired other people more than it let other people down. I might have you know, brought up the shadow in a couple of people, but when I kind of just showed up just full on powerful, it actually inspired other people to be just as powerful, which is better <laughs> in my opinion. But for years, I spent tons of time trying to be so not threatening to people that I would dim my light all the time. And so that's not a good way to be either. So just know power is your essence. And so you're not living in alignment if you're not expressing your power. This is a lonely path. It's a solo journey. Mediumship is a very solo journey. Like there's always some friends that come, but it's hard to keep friends in this industry, right? There's always comparison that comes up. We try to avoid it, but it's like hard to avoid. So any kind of like medium friends I've had, it's only lasted a little while sadly the spiritual journey is a solo one it doesn't have to be though like if you can learn to heal some of those sister wounds and some of those wounds that if you shine bright I also can't shine bright which is like one of the biggest lies that we tell ourselves why can't we all be special why can't we all be magnificent because we are but there's something within the sister wound that makes us feel that if somebody else is shining brightly we also can't shine bright which is a lie so the more that we can let go of those layers and like those wounds and those stories, the more we can connect with other people with the same interests and the more that we can connect with other people on the same path to make it a little bit less lonely. So that's my start. The community of light workers helping heal those sister wounds like there's no comparison. People dip into comparison. They'll reach out and we can like talk through it. Right. So I love it. We do fall out of alignment with people or you have just different interests. I remember when I first found a spiritual path, I didn't know how to talk to my friends. I didn't know how to talk to other people because all I wanted to talk about was like the spiritual stuff. And, you know, that's an inside thing. It's not like they rejected me. I didn't even give them a chance to. The amygdala is like the fear-based part of our brain. I just listened to Christine Hassler's over and on with it, but they actually had the science of gratitude. And they talked about how the negative bias for every one positive thought, there's nine negative thoughts that the amygdala creates. So it's not surprising that so many of us are walking around with like the worst case scenario at the forefront of our minds, if we think about that. So when you do things like gratitude practices, it actually balances out the negative and positive biases. So if you do something like a gratitude practice, even more than affirmations, I think they said the science shows that you will go from one positive thought to nine negative ones to six negative thoughts and three positive. Like you can actually train your brain and like give the amygdala a rest when you focus on things like gratitude, right? What are you grateful for? Look at the best shit that's happening around in your life and you can start training your brain to not default into that fear. Just by not doing this thing, you are actually living your worst case scenario right? Like every day you're not doing the thing, you're actually living your worst case scenario already. So it can't get any worse. <laughs> Just go for it. We all have very different levels of confidence based off of what's happened to us in our lives, how we've dealt with things in our lives, how we've like healed things in our lives as well. I think I was born confident in some ways. And then when I got onto the mediumship path, a lot of insecurity started coming up. I never cared about being right or wrong before. But then when you started developing mediumship, you always want to be right. I've never had that desire to be like right and correct and like perfect. And then when I got into the mediumship path, because the stakes were so high, because broken hearts were on the line, that's where like some of my insecurities came up. So I actually had to learn how to become confident in my mediumship just through the doing. Again, you're not doing the thing because it scares you. You're actually already living your worst case scenario. So you might as well just do the thing and see what happens, right? Look at how you define success. Like, you know, is success money? Is success helping people make transformations? Is your success like working two hours a day? In success more time with family? So really look at what you define to be successful and then set goals that just get you towards that, right? You have to set goals and you need to have somewhere that you're going or else you're going to just like float around like a butterfly, just flip, flip, right? Right, so define success set a goal, and meet that goal, whether it's a weekly, monthly, yearly, I do suggest like weekly or something so you can keep momentum kind of going. But the only thing that will make you not successful is not even trying the thing, right? You know, last year I had a lot of success in my practice, but I did have a few things that did not pan out. But I kept going with them and they did end up panning out over months of keeping trying. But I did have some failures last year but there's huge learning and growth within, you know, falling a bit too sometimes, right? There's good lessons there. Really great to have people in your inner circle that support and feel you. I have a hard time because like, I'm very lucky. I've always been very lucky in life. I think I was just like born lucky. I think Jupiter in my first house has something to do with that. It's like, you guys ever go to a bingo hall? When somebody wins, everyone's like, oh. That's how I feel in my life right now. Like, it's so hard to find people to celebrate things that are going well with. On my personal Facebook, I feel like it's a bingo haul. I'm like, oh my God, I've been in business a year. It's like cricket, like non-posting, tumbleweeds going by, you know, that's going to have to learn to like celebrate myself and find, you know, validation within myself and my own journey. So yeah, it's hard to find people in your inner circle that will be willing to like celebrate with you and like see you. And that's what I try to offer everyone who works with me. It's like I really want people to feel celebrated and I want people to feel like super seen because I don't have that in my life. I never really have. Yeah, so I'm always trying to create things that I wish I had. There was a point really early on where maybe I gave too much of my... Power away to some of my teachers, like too much of myself over to the teachers to validate me. You know, idolize them a little bit. And so it actually really kind of taught me to go to the inner guru a lot. Right. And then also as a teacher now, I try to make sure that I'm not creating like a cult atmosphere or being idolized in any way because I'm a super val- like valuable human being. I don't use the word disconnected. <laughs> I know some of my students here are like, but I do feel disengaged sometimes. Right. So there's sometimes where I just want to swear. There's sometimes where I just want to be a human in my jammies all day and like have wine at three o'clock. There's days like that. Right. Times where I don't want to sit in the power all the time and then I don't. It's all good. Right. It's all good. But yeah, there are times where I feel more disengaged than others. And that's why I actually intentionally schedule breaks in my life. So I usually take off August and December, typically from doing readings and serving and just go into preservation mode. So I have less of a chance of doing that. And I also stopped booking out my sessions way far in advance. At one point I was booking like a year out. I'll release sessions like when I know I feel like doing lots of sessions. And that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur. As long as you're out of people-pleasing entrepreneur, which I am not, I'm one of the most boundaried spiritual entrepreneurs you will ever meet. And I honor my boundaries every single time. Today, I am living the life I manifested in 2018 from doing this exercise, okay? So if you want to grab a planner or even just the pen and paper, your notebook or whatnot, I'm not super consistent with my journal. So here's like a blank week, put a date. So maybe you want to say spring 2022 and you write out your dream week. What are you doing at 9 a.m. on a Monday in your dream week? What are you doing on Tuesday at three o'clock on your dream week? Like, how many clients are you going to see that day? Write out your dream week. Even write out how you feel on that day in your dream week. Write it out. Get crystal clear on it. And I didn't realize until... can't yeah. remember how I found it, but it was like a 2018 journal. It was a day court journal. And I opened it and I said, 2019 dream week. And though I quit my job in 2019, I chickened out and it actually took another year to fully leave my position. I was shocked that at that moment... I was living my dream week, how many clients I was seeing that I was making before times the money, which was kind of fascinating and unexpected. I'm used to staying small, I'm used to dreaming small, that's how I've always been, but now I'm learning to kind of dream bigger. So I was even doing the angel hour. on Mondays, on Mondays, I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" And we also know through like the science of manifesting, if we can call it that, I think they call it like parascience research or something. But we know that manifesting is all about the feeling, right? Like, do you feel like it could be? A reality for you, the more you tune into that. So for every day, what are you doing on Monday? How do you feel that day? How much money you're making that day? Write out your dream week. Worked really well for me without me even realizing it works And again, if you don't have a planner, just grab a notepad. Like this is what I'm doing on Monday. This is how much I made for the week. This is how I felt. I don't do enough of this to be honest with you that I thought I would do. Like I was hoping to spend more time in my weekend devotional practices, like more meditating. I spend all my days alone, which I love. I really wanted solitude. It's a little bit freaky how much I like being alone. It's a problem. It's a problem. On Tuesday, I got home from dropping all the kids off. And just at that moment, I'm like, I want to go paddleboarding. I had so much to do. But I just decided to shove my paddleboard in my car drive across the street to the lake. And I went paddleboarding for an hour and a half. And I got a whole download for another class. So that could be considered devotion. I guess, right? Because I had a desire and I followed it and I was devoted to myself in that moment and I was devoted to my spirit and really it's going to be my client that benefit from it because what I'm creating is going to be awesome and needed in the world. People are asking me for it. Could I be meditating at this time? And sometimes I'll be so busy in the day doing that I'm like, oh, I'll do it tonight. But I never feel like it at night. I don't devote myself at night. The other thing that I do is I exercise every single day and I sweat. Sweat, 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 I love exercising. But I do prioritize exercising after my last session. Could I move that to the evening? Probably. It's all just like this kind of like balanced stuff you have to kind of figure out. But I did think I would do that. But then I have to try to see like you're actually devotional every day because you're continuously talking to spirit. You're continuously listening to spirit. You're continuously following the inspirations of your soul. That could be considered devotional. So maybe... And I'm just talking this out loud with you guys, but maybe I'm just being hard on myself because I thought I would be sitting in that chair for an hour a day when my devotion's out of my pancord in nature. And there's probably things that you're doing in your life that are like have-tos that you may be able to like let go of. Even with my husband, I hate cooking. There's nothing I enjoy about being in the kitchen. I don't enjoy cutting up veggies, kind of enjoy sautéing things, but like there's nothing I enjoy about being a homemaker, nothing. There's nothing that lights me up about homemaker. I do love clean home. But I also don't mind hiring a cleaner for 60 hours a week to deep clean my whole right? And so I had to tell my husband to make more space in my life. I said, look, I have breakfast and dinners. You do lunches. I don't want to make another lunchbox. And so I just had to ask for the help and kind of create that space. And yes, that's only 20 minutes a day in earth time. But that expansiveness for me and spirit time, it freed up a lot of space, right? And so that was one thing I kind of had to do. Again, time, illusion, right? I don't want to go too into it because I don't know enough about it. But time is an illusion. And if we can translate time into energy and spaciousness, it's like threefold, tenfold, hundredfold. And so though we may save an hour in energy, it's like quantum leaps of how much it frees up for us. And so we can probably lighten our loads a little bit and all these have-tos and even work. I have too many dreams. I can't sit at this desk anymore. And they were like, well, what do you want? I just told you I want to chase my dreams. (laughs) I don't want to sit at my desk anymore. And I wanted to free up that space. And they came back to me with a four-day work week. And I got to work from home. Like, what? Okay, I'll try it. We'll see what happens. So like even asking work, something that you think is a non-negotiable, like I was willing to leave. And they ended up just giving me what they wanted. (laughs) And I left a year later. because it turned out, it wasn't about the time. It was about the energy. Maybe be surprised what you can get away with when you ask for what you need in this life. And if you need more space for your development, I bet you that space is there. I'm not like wounded by this in any way, but I did grow up in, you know, pretty extreme poverty. No one in my family ever graduated from high school. So like no one was expecting me to graduate from high school. There was no expectations of me. There was no dreams for me. There was no aspirations for me. And that's no fault of anyone else. But I come from a line of people who don't dream big. And I'm the only entrepreneur in my entire family, even my extended family. I had to kind of be my own dreamer and I'm paving a path for my children that was not laid out in front of me. So I did spend my entire life being very small and not having aspirations. I remember even thinking at 14, my parents were like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I remember sitting in the room saying, I guess I'll work in an office like my mom. And that was my dream. And I manifested that for myself. I didn't know how to dream big. But it comes. To be honest with you, it was a painful transition for me because I got poked fun of a lot even by my family and nothing wrong with them. I'm not poo-pooing on them. They're lovely, all of them. I love every single person in my family and they have not held me back in any way, shape or form. My parents never said there was nothing I couldn't do, but they never also said you could do anything. It's kind of like that energy. But like I remember telling my dad, this is so hard, and I texted my parents that 100,000 podcast post a week before because I actually didn't post it till I hit 111,000 downloads. And I sent it to my parents. I was like, can you believe this? And my dad wrote back one thing. He said, how humble of you. How do you think I felt at that moment? If you're like sharing your success, sharing something that you worked real hard for and showed incredible tenacity about two and a half years of constant podcast recording and showing up and serving to get that kind of response from your family crushed. That's my whole life. Any time I would be proud of myself or something or excel in something, I would get knocked down energetically by the people around me, including my husband. I tell my husband, I'm like, oh my God, I had a $30,000 a month. He's like, yeah, but how much do you actually get to keep? That was like, that's the immediate response. So I'm surrounded by that in my life. Still to this day, that conversation with my dad was like less than a month ago. I've been trying to rise above that. And so that's how I'm, I'm so passionate about leading myself through that, that. right? Melanie Lear, she's somebody who I'm in her world. And that's like, she's like a Stanford woman who leads herself. That's like me. How do I deal with it? I lead myself. I validate myself. I don't need their validation. If they get it to me, the bonus It's extra on top. I'm proud of me. I know who I am and I know who I am from the inside out because of experiences like that. I had to find out who I was and that's who I carry around. I know who I am. And so, yeah, it hurts and I have that human reaction and I'm like, oh, like I don't question myself. I don't say, which I used to do. I used to be like, oh, maybe I'm an egomaniac and maybe I like myself too much. And I used to do that and question that and follow the energetic trail that they were leading for me. But in the end, I'm like, you have no idea. You have no idea what it feels like to be me day and day. And that's the sad part is that I know the expansiveness that I feel that it almost feels like you can't even contain it in your body. I realize that not everyone in the world gets to feel like that. And that's sad. And that's my passion passionate about my mentorship work because it's like, I want people to feel like this. I want people to feel like this. And it starts with who are you? And I had to go into a deep meditation, a meditation practice where I just entered the space saying, who am I? Who am I really? I was really trying to discover who I was. I'm a spirit. I am spirit embodied in this human experience. I am magnificent. I am expansive. I am bright as fuck. I'm magical. And that's who I am. And I get to be that person in every minute. And if people can't keep up, I know that they wish they had a little bit of my life or a little bit of my courage or a little bit of my self-love and they never got to receive it. And I know that when they go home and they kind of review, they're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But I lead myself. I would say on a personal power scale, I'm at about 60%. This is what Danielle looks like at about 60% personal power. There's still times I kick myself because I'm like, I'm really only feeling good if I'm validated in some things of my life. And so I get to see like, okay, there's still some more personal power growth to be done in this instance. So we're always growing and evolving. But when it comes to family and the people around me, I've even had to tell my husband, I'm like, look, you can hop on and keep up or... It will work, right? Because this is me and this is the path. And he has learned over 14 years together and the eight years I've been on this self-development journey and this mediumship development journey that the way I live is pretty cool and it benefits us all. So he's like, you just keep going. I'll catch up. He actually watches Gaia with me now and stuff. So it's all about personal power. The ego is not the enemy. It's not something to be combated or overtaken or defeated in any way. It's like, how do we learn to live harmoniously with this dual side of ourselves? Well, the ego does not serve me in my mediumship work, but it does serve me in my business and it does serve me in chasing my dreams. It does serve me in like, I can't do this. And so it does kind of like serve me. Again, personal power. It's not looking outside of ourselves for validation. See, when we talk to our families about it, it's because we also want them to believe us because we're also still trying to get to that place of really believing ourselves or really believing us, right? And so a little bit of external validation doesn't hurt. And with family, it's always like a little bit harder. And so, but I still share. See, my dad's like a big meditator and a very spiritual person. And he does not believe you should be charging for readings. He does not believe I should be making like the money I do off my spiritual work. Which I don't like, you know, a lot of what I get is like from my membership and my classes and my programs, which is like serving people. But it's like, you know, there's that kind of spiritual guilt that's still there, which I've healed from. It's taking me a long time to heal from that. So it is a tricky trap. And the funny thing is about mediumship is you do need external validation. You do need a yes from your client. You need that they understand. So even a mediumship is like this really fine balance between a yes and the no needs to feel the same for you inside, right? And to get to that kind of like equilibrium place where the yes and the no influence you the same, that's a tricky place to get to. I'm there now, but I will say I haven't been there my whole career. And I know that mediums will either feel like super high with the yes, super low with the no, but you got to get to this place of neutrality that the yeses and no have to feel the same. It's a funny trap to be in because at the beginning of your mediumship development journey, you need the external validation that you're not crazy. You just can't stay there is all. Every time I walk through like a little bit of fear, I get a little bit more courage and all those little things add up over time. And this is where I am now. The best way to overcome any wounds around your family is accept them fully and accept yourself, accept any roles that you've played in the dynamics. It's all about acceptance. Now, my family helps me out a lot. Like if I ask my dad, can you go pick up my son today? Because X, Y, Z, he will never say no. He'll be like, yes, 100%. What do you need? And that's the way my parents are. They're so, so helpful. There's just like these other aspects of them, this like desire for support, this desire to be told like I'm proud of you, which like I've never heard, right? Uh That's kind of where I have to accept that they may never hold that role in my life. So I have to be that for myself. So that's how I do it. I just fully accept them how they come. I don't wish that they were any other way. And that acceptance and forgiveness is just how I find my inner peace because I'm worthy of it. The personal power comes from feeling fear and doing it anyways, doing things I don't really want to do because I'm scared, understanding that that fear is actually because it's like meant for me because I care. It's like every time I do things like that, I find my personal power I've had clients that can incredibly trigger me and like knock me down to the point I wanted to like hide under a rock but continuing to like show up anyways despite that like facing those kind of things so the trigger of it dissipates so it doesn't impact me anymore those are all little things like personal power is not going to come from one instance it's going to come from a series of instances and they're going to compound. I flow naturally with the masculine feminine energies My masculine drive, when I'm in drive mode, creation mode, doing the things, ride that wave. And when I'm in my ebb and I'm in my feminine and I'm recluding, I ride that wave. So in my spiritual business, I ride the waves and I never
0: force anything. Did you know that Spirit School is not just a podcast? It's an actual school. If you go to MySpiritSchool.com, you can invest in self-study courses, live programs, and of course the Spirit School Collective, my baby, my monthly membership community. All Spirit School offerings are intended to get you feeling clear, confident, and connected to your spiritual path, your development journey, and of course, connected to other spiritual curious souls who are having similar experiences to you. I hope to see you in Spirit School.